0: It's just so sneaky, you know, and in and, and the way that it kind of creeps up on you Yeah, it's like you're young and you have these ideas and you're he was a nine you're chill You just want to surf all day or like I told my wife before I, was married, I could just live in a trailer in the desert. I would be happy as you know, flying shit or something, but You, you start with responsibilities and family and society puts pressures and you just kind of get into this groove that you're expected to do. Once you kind of get in that group, it's so hard to see it. You're just so numb at that point. Um, that you just uh, yeah, you lose connection with anything you may have wanted to do or be, you know, in the past or just being a function.
1: Welcome to another episode of What It's Like to Be You. I'm Josh LeVine, your host. Today, my guest is a nine-wing eight named Charles Thompson. Before we get into the interview, I want to give a couple plugs. First is for the new Enneagram School that John luckovich and I have started, the School.com. It's going to be a place where you can meet other people who are devoted to sincere inner work and also learning fresh new insights about the Enneagram along the way. And also the other plug is for the Enneagram Expressions Library, which is a visual display, visual interactive display of the Enneagram or Celebrity Database and also a way to explore and discover poetry and art and music by enneagram type especially useful if you're an enneagram teacher and you want some of those resources for retreats and things like that also check out a couple of the fictional characters that we've typed as well and finally if you are a frequent listener of some of these interviews i would super super appreciate it if you liked and subscribed to this youtube video or if you're listening to this podcast then please write a review some of those things are really really helpful for like me all right let's talk about the interview Charles Thompson is a social self-prez nine wing 963 trifix and man this conversation was very very interesting from a from a conversational point of view the just exploring the differences between my conversational style which has a three competence orientation and his nine wing eight kind of meandering ball rolling down a hill conversational style which we explore together in real time it also is a really good exploration of the what the eight wing does with to the core nine so you got like a rejection wing rejection object relation wing on an attachment core and finally i just want to say that charles we get into this in, in the interview but charles for about has been married for about 20 years or more actually for more than half his life he has four kids And he has started a number of different projects, including currently an internet marketing and web agency. And in his own self-description.
0: Yeah, I love the cook, love the garden, like off-grid projects. Like I'm like one of those nines they talk about that has like 50 different projects going and they're all half done all over the place.
1: (laughs) And one of the things I want to point out is that Charles self-admittedly was numb and fulfilling functions and Auto, going on autopilot through life for a period of about 20 years, and recently he had a resensitization and reawakening, and kind of came back to himself. So, explore that as well in the interview. So, please enjoy this interview with my new friend Charles. So, so why don't we begin with? Um, I'd love for you to share your Enneagram origin story. What well, was
0: You know, I got a psychology like 20 some years ago, got a degree in it. Didn't use it for anything professionally, but uh, so I've always been interested in that, especially personality and abnormal psychology, you know, things that uh, cause people mm-hmm. to maybe go a different direction than what society expects and things like that. But, you know, mainly personality is where my real interests lie. About six years ago, I was really getting back into MBTI again. Um, okay. If you're interested in that, I'm an INFP <laughs> in, that, in that room, but. Um, Really get into that with my my oldest daughter. Um, sort of nerd nabbing that for a while, and I discovered Enneagram. Uh, I forget who I discovered first, maybe Chris Hiers or something. I really enjoyed, you know, recent Hudson and Chris Hiers and some of those other guys in that realm over the years. And just was consuming all the content I could on this stuff for years now. Um, came across the Big Hormone Enneagram podcast. Really loved that. They're a little, you know, a little on a negative in comparison to other folks, but I like to, to sure. view all sites. I'm not scared of a little negativity, too. So um, that was really fun. I really enjoy their content as well. Yeah, that's it took, I, I guess the origin story, pertaining to me personally, it was really difficult to figure out my instincts. The type, the nine, I almost immediately knew that, you know, but figuring out the instincts and then the trifix. So you know, I contacted David Gray. And, it was booklet and some different things in that to figure out because I had no idea. I mean, I guess, I guess it's what they call Bermuda type or whatever. I just, uh, I was going around in circles, <laughs> you know, trying to figure out. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. So,
1: it's kind of when, So, you reached out to me about doing this interview a few months ago, mm-hmm. and you contextualized your reaching out by saying that you think you have a good perspective on what it's like to be a nine who has been married to someone for a long time, like a family man, you've got four kids, you're married and what it, and especially the Bermuda nine sense of as in your words, meandering forward through life and uh, what it's like to kind of go on autopilot and be fulfilling roles as opposed to being really anchored sort of within yourself. And what really struck me about our first conversation, actually a lot struck me, first of all, the immediate visual impact of you and your tattoos is striking. And that's a, that's a whole thing that I want to get to that in a minute, but Mm -hmm. I want to set it up because I think that the context is really important because it sounds to me like you had this really long period of life where you basically were on a form of autopilot and then something happened recently where you I think it was triggered by you going to the doctor, right? And you discovering that you had, um, an issue with your blood pressure.
0: At the request and... of my life, yes. I probably never would have done it. Although.
1: What's <laughs> that? Yeah. Uh,
0: yeah. 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 Go ahead.
1: So, so something happened recently for you and I'd love for you to yeah. share the journey of it, but you basically realized that you've not really been with yourself or something like that. And you, and you came back to yourself. And one thing you said was like, I hadn't cried in 20 years and you're crying now mm-hmm. and some other things are it's almost like you're resensitizing from a from a state of somewhat numbness to now back to feeling more things at all like feeling feeling period right so
0: yeah um yeah yeah i mean (laughs) 20 years sounds crazy right um i mean there there was a couple times you know family members died or, or pets i think i mentioned that to you where you know i You know, I teared up. I cried. Um, Those those moments got me, even during that time. But yeah, over the Mm -hmm. over the last, you know, so I've been married for twenty three years. My wife is wonderful, beautiful. She's a she's a one, Um, Mm -hmm. and so she's kept me on track in a lot of ways. You know, but there's a way that I'm always like fighting against my function, even though I'm doing it. If that makes sense, and my function being like. You know, working, providing, doing what you need to do when you need to do it for, for people, especially from a social perspective. Uh, but, you know, I feel like sometimes we live in this uh, self pressed hell of a world <laughs> where everything is about money. and You know, the, the capitalist, the dystopia, whatever that we live in mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. So that sure. has always just kind of made it to where you have to desensitize to some degree. Everybody does. It's not just me. You know, as you grow yep. up, you become an adult. But me specifically, yeah, aside from a couple of times, you know, like a really close family member or a pet dying, I did not cry, oh, probably for 20-something years. Um, I remember a couple of times when when I first got married and fighting a little bit here and there, nothing crazy, but yeah, I cried a little bit then. But then that was like six months, a year in after that, things kind of mellowed out, chilled out. We got into our, uh, like you said, got into kind of autopilot. And from there, it was just building companies, providing for the family, figuring out how I can, you know, hustle, do whatever I've got to do uh, to get by, which does not lend itself to much introspection, which is what I used to like to do and be involved in when I was younger, you know, hence the psychology interest and that sort of thing. Being a nine specifically, if we want to look at it from that angle, um, I mean, obviously nines are known for desensitizing themselves in various ways, uh, work being one of them. You know, I could, you could call me a workaholic. That might be an okay. accurate descriptor. There's been times mm-hmm. where you can call me an alcoholic. That might be an accurate descriptor, you know, in the society. Mm-hmm. Um, just various ways to numb. Um, I really enjoyed the other nine fellow you had on a while back where he was talking about the numbing uh, and the way it feels. Oh,
1: Jamie. Especially yeah. Especially when you're mm-hmm. numbing
0: on like things like Netflix or YouTube, which I can go down the YouTube rabbit hole for hours if I let myself. I don't usually until night, in you know, the nighttime or evening because I know how I can be. It's just, yeah, it's just going to keep the cycle going. It just never ends.
1: Right, right. (laughs) So
0: I I could keep going on forever. So, yeah, go ahead and interrupt me.
1: Yeah. Well, actually, it's funny. One of the things that we talked about when we first met was that you have this not just meandering forward way of life, but also conversationally.
0: Yeah.
1: It's kind of like you're like a conversational. Mm -hmm. Yeah, don't be afraid to interrupt me. That was one
0: difference. Yeah. Between me and the last uh-huh. fellows, I, I don't. I don't mind being interrupted, and I will interrupt sometimes. <laughs> that's a little different for me on that. Okay. Because I know I meander. You know.
1: Yeah. That's a good. Actually, that's a good one wing versus eight wing distinction right there. That's yeah.
0: Yeah. Mm. I think so. Yeah.
1: So. It's very the awesome guy, and,
0: beautiful for me to. Yeah.
1: Yeah, he's amazing. I agree. Yeah, yeah, James is a good friend. So. The. Oh yeah, I wanted to ask you to clarify what what has happened for you recently and was there a moment in time or was it a sort of murkier period of time in which you found yourself resensitizing and i believe there was a moment where you cried and then tell like tell us about the doctor's office or just like what what have been the circumstances that you've kind of come back to life
0: yeah so so the last few years have been a little difficult i mean i'm moving in the middle age which is one reason I thought it might be beneficial to get someone a little older nine on here to kind of talk about what it's been like, you know, and maybe moving into more of an assertive role over the years and things that nines aren't typically known for, you know, in my experience with that. But um, what really struck me with your interviews was the one you do with Alex, the one, it was just beautiful. And it really helped me understand how one's, are a body type, even though all the literature out there seems to describe them as head types, you know what I mean? <laughs> or, or heart type, something in that range. Uh-huh. And, and, but yeah. ones are not abnegating their gut reaction. They're emotionally justifying it. They are, and they're abnegating their, their logical center typically to do that. Right. Like that's the difference, you know? Um, Anyway, I really enjoyed that interview. And that was like, I got to reach out to this guy because we don't always talk about cat pawn stuff. But uh so I am meandering. Let's go back to what was the question? I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> I was just going to point that out. Yeah, no. I, I, I just I'm love still that, thinking man. about the,
0: why, I, <laughs> why I introduced myself to you and my origin story. I'm still back there. Sorry, I'm a little slow. <laughs> that,
1: was such a, that was such a great moment. I just love that because that happened with, with David too, where I'd ask a question and it would almost like dissolve in his consciousness. And then... And then I'd back. remind him what the question was, funny. and be like, "Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, okay. Wow. Like, let's say, okay, let me answer that question." So, it's got so a the question is, can you tell us? Yeah. Th- you know? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Can you can you tell us about what has happened for you recently around your kind of resensitization yeah. and, yeah,
0: yeah. It. So you know, getting older, middle you know, the beginning. Um daughters moving out, both of them, you know, moved off out of city to go to college, you had a great time, you know, but you start to question things and realize, Oh, what is my function in this environment? You know, what am I doing? And, and I had the Enneagram to help me and, and to play with this, but at the same time um, health issues were sneaking up on me that I, I wasn't aware of um, high blood pressure, extremely high to the point where you're getting, you know, brain fog and depression and stuff like that that I wasn't aware of. I just knew, you know, I knew what depression was clinically based on my you know psychological studies. I knew something was a little weird, uh, it wasn't like extreme or anything, but there's a way to like, it was even worse than just being a nine. There was a way that I was having difficulty feeling anything and then feelings would start to flood in. Right. Like, and that's kind of one of the definitions of depression anyway. And I know why I'm like, my life is fine. Yeah. The kids are getting older. I'm getting a little, you know, uglier, older, whatever, but it's like nothing crazy, you know? But, um, so the funny story is, um, I got, I guess it's called sciatica. I just woke up one morning. My ass was hurting extremely. <laughs> couldn't, couldn't even put on my own socks or shoes. And I hate being dependent on other people. You know. Sure. And um, so my wife would have to drive me around, help me like, put on my socks a bit. So her, she'd been pushing me for a while to go to the doctor anyway, i forever. But then this specifically, okay, that was it. I got to go went there and she wasn't even worried about that. And by the time I got to the doctor's appointment, it was weeks later, my ass wasn't hurting anymore. (laughs) So, um, but the blood pressure was 180 something over whatever. I don't remember remember the second number, but uh, okay, it's an extreme range. And she was concerned about that. So she got me medication, started my diet. And I just, I love salt, tons of it. I could, you know, (laughs) eat ramen noodles and stuff all day, you you know, but uh, I've been doing that for years. And obviously it's not good for, Um, so, so yeah, it got me on the medication and it, it was in a way like a fog had been lifted in that regard. So, so I guess here, here, there's two parts to this, the feeling emotions again, but yet they were flooding out in kind of almost random ways, watching a movie and just like bawling or something. Um, and then when I hadn't, you know, identified really with a character in 20 years in a movie, um, I must've just been watching YouTube BS or something. And now I'm getting into stories and I'm starting to, you know, get in touch with stuff again. Um, Just because of that blood pressure issue really in a way. Um, But then taking the medication out, lifted the fog from it. And now it's like more like um, I can tear up in a movie or not, or I can, it's so strange that it's all related to the body and a physical health that I've been pushing down or blocking my whole life, Mm -hmm. which in a way is part of what a nine does. Um, But I've, I guess i just didn't see it like i mean it's just so close to you, you just don't know it, you know um, so yeah I, right. I i don't know where you want to go with that i keep going all kind of directions with that, but,
1: um, one thing that yeah one thing that was amazing a, about what you just said the the not relating to a character in a movie for 20 years is quite amazing and um off the top of my head i can't you know, think not of necessarily like a non-character but yeah. yeah 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 but it just strikes me that there's some way that you in a sense, had forgotten yourself or weren't hold your, holding yourself, holding mm. yourself didn't really have a clearly constellated self that you were holding in your consciousness that could be compared to a character. Cause right. I'm sure 20 years of watching movies that there were it's just so fluid characters that at least right. that, yeah, par- parts of them, at least you might have related to Anyway, I just found that interesting. Yeah,
0: there's, a, there's a way so, I think that yeah, go ahead. physical perspective can be very pulled back and withdrawn you know, and shut down mm-hmm. and not presenting much. Um, never felt like that on the inside, really that much. Even when I was on autopilot, I still felt like, uh, I felt more than I showed or something like that, if that makes sense. So it's just really difficult to see. Yeah. But yet the physical manifestation wasn't there. The willingness yeah, yeah. to kind of pull your heart out or whatever, um, to have it be there, like tear up in a movie, and and even now, like I'm, you know, I'm in a the movie theater or something. I'm like, you know, holding the tears and just, and just nobody's looking, kind of swiping away real quick. You know? <laughs> so sure. <it's>, like, there's <laughs> yeah. a way that even um, uh-huh. it's still difficult to to present that too much. But.
1: I can relate to that. Yeah. Um. Well. Okay. So. Something I want to reflect back something you said to me in our last call, which is that. You had decades of putting yourself aside; that you had become a function, dad, and husband, specifically. And I imagine also there's a work analog. Um, you have to fit those roles, and it's not just something that you you thought about. You said you just you just fit into the groove.
0: Yep, going with the flow, yeah. right? <laughs> Whatever
1: yeah, that is, yeah. and, and
0: and it doesn't necessarily mean like some people think with nines of not putting yourself in positions of authority. You have to. I mean, sometimes to, to really provide out there these days, you kind of have to be assertive and put yourself in some sort of authority role, especially with as many kids as I have for, right? Um, it's very difficult to provide for them these days without you know, moving beyond the standard nine to fives, right? So you have to do something. <laughs> so um, yeah, yeah, go back to what you're saying. I'm going off on the thing again.
1: But, Just, I was refer- referencing your description of yourself for however, like the last 20 years or something right. of fitting into the groove and fulfilling yeah. certain functions and kind of deleting yeah. yourself. Um,
0: here I am justifying it, and, but that's what happened. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Right.
0: Yeah. Um, I guess I was trying to present the social context or something justifying. It. I'm like, well, this is why I had to do it. and blah, blah, blah. But, Um, yeah, it's, yeah. uh, it's it's it almost it's is, is insidious the right word. It's just so sneaky, you know, and in the way that it oh, I love
1: that sneaky, yeah. On
0: you. Yeah, it's like you're young mm-hmm. and you have these ideas, and you're you you're nine, you're chill, you just want to surf all day, or like that's when my wife first like <laughs> just live in a trailer in the desert. I would be happiest, you know, flying shit or something. But you, mm-hmm. you start with responsibilities and family and society puts pressures in. I don't know if it's a Bermuda thing. I think it is because the way I understand, you know threes and sixes they could do a lot of this too you just kind of get into this groove um that you're expected to do in a way right and whatever that is you know and it shows up maybe in different ways for those different types but you're once you kind of get in that groove, it's so hard to see it especially without that heart piece if your heart lasts or if you're not in touch with your heart or you've let your health go maybe like me near the end of the last 20 years um you know where. You're just so numb at that point um, that you just, uh, yeah, you lose connection with anything you may have wanted to do or be, you know, in the past or just being a function. I guess it's kind of what I meant by that. And, and then you start to wow. see yourself, you start to project on other people. <laughs> this is where it can get ugly too, or a little resentful, maybe not so ugly, but I, I can get frustrated with the people, you know, at this point in my life and I can show it, you know, and stuff like that because I feel like and this is me, this is not them, but I feel like they're always wanting stuff from me, always needing stuff from me, physically, mm-hmm. emotionally, sp- just space-wise, whatever. And I don't need anything from them, right? That's the, that's how I see my ego, right? <laughs> that's kind of where you okay. get into sure. that point when you get into that groove of that capitalist dystopia, like I'm the guy and everybody else, you know, uh, you're coming to me. And you can start to deal with family and people you really care about, right? And that's where it gets, uh, or it doesn't, cultivate proper relationships it's almost like the way i've heard uh the EHE podcast talk about um, the rejection types how they're cutting certain things off and leverage and this kind of stuff and with the eight wing i can definitely see a lot of eight there you know i know ultimately um, it's not quite the same i'm not pushing into the world by default i am retracting from it but i'm creating this boundary kind of like is what i'm talking about the rejection type does where it's like you don't cross this. Like, you know, um, this is my space. I don't cross your space. I'm perfectly fine with yeah. you doing whatever the fuck you want over there. You know, you do whatever, but leave me alone. Let me do my thing over here. You know what I mean? So there's this way you start to get resentful right, right. of even people you love and kids that, that do need you and should need you, mm-hmm. you know, where you start to realize uh, this isn't healthy. Something's wrong, you know, <laughs> pull, pull back. Right. You know? when you
1: yeah, this is this is, I love this point about the resentment that builds up when you feel mm-hmm. like someone is asserting some obligation on you or something like that. Like you have, like you have mm-hmm. to do something or someone there's, and whether it's, you know, your partner or your kids or your work or whatever, but there's something, there's some way that if there's something that is pulling on your energy in a way that you, in a certain sense, mm-hmm. haven't, fully consented to, or brought yourself right. to say, a, say a full yes to, then it feels like an obligation or a, a form of inner pressure that the nine throws a very quiet rebellion against <laughs> and, yeah. or maybe not so quiet in your, in your sense, but there's I, a way I, that. Well, until they
0: don't, yeah, until, until something builds up and it might even just be a narrative you're telling yourself, you know, it might not even be realistic, that you've been not communicating it properly and, and reserving mm-hmm. your feelings on it for so long. And come out in pretty awkward ways, sometimes. Yeah. Right. Right. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And man, I was—I wanted to just rewind a sec because you used some really beautiful and stark language to describe the the numbed state that you were in, where it was basically like you. One thing that is really striking to me about numbness itself is that just be by definition of what it is, you don't notice it. That's what. That's yeah. what being numb is. <laughs> In, you, the inability yeah. to actually notice your your sensory reality. And so. For a really
0: good example. Oh, go
1: yeah. ahead. Yes, I'm sorry. Go, no, sorry. actually, I would love For an example. A, go ahead.
0: Uh, yeah, a really good physical example of this is butterflies, you know, and stomach nervousness. Uh huh. Because I, when I was younger, I got those a lot, like a lot. It felt like everything was kind of, you know, and, and, um, sure. You know, really hated public speaking, almost to the point where you could call it a public speaking disorder in a way where i skip classes on those days i don't know if you know the definition of disorders and psychology but essentially where it's affecting your goals in your life then okay. it's now a disorder mm-hmm. so it's so skipping out of classes getting lower grades which i hated not the best right so it was to that point but as i got older like in, in realizing it know, recently maybe through the enneagram I'm like what what is being in your gut being back in touch with the body even mean right over the past few years trying to figure that out yeah. I realized I haven't had butterflies in like that same amount of time, 20 something years or forever. Anyway, you know, whatever time it was, it's just been so long. I forgot what it even was like. And i am been getting those again, you know, but, but I, I don't look at them the same you know? Um, it's almost like, uh-huh. I think I've heard it talked about before with like some people that's excitement to some people. It, it revs them up and they love it. And other types they are seeing it maybe negative, negative light, like I did, Or No, I have to control it. Nobody can see my face show any kind of fear or anything. You know, I have to keep this in Uh, learning so long to tamp it down that it was fully tamped, I guess, (laughs) right in a way. Um, But now feeling it again and realizing that's not so bad. It's okay to be, you know, show a little inflection and stuff like that. You know, so yeah.
1: Right. You know, the the butterfly thing is such a cool example because it's it's a way that you know when you were a kid you experienced your your sensory reaction to the world and that is that is a function of the body sensor to actually experience your right. sensory response to something and the it's just such a cool example because both nine and eight are numbing themselves in certain ways mm-hmm. and just the the absence of those butterflies from your life is such a cool illustration of, of of numbness, that it's yeah. like you numbed somehow, unconsciously your response to the world and the world's impact on you, and it's very interesting to me that they're coming back now. I just I find that so fascinating.
0: Yeah, and the other fellow talked about the numbness almost being like a, a buzz in the background that overrides everything, and and I definitely do agree with that. I was like, wow, that's so on point in so many ways there there is an, another yeah. kind of numbness though that i experienced too that's a little more dead than that even and i'm not, I'm not talking about the autopilot stuff we we're talking about before because i was very active i was interactive i was out there doing but like i said just as a function yeah Almost like a,
1: yeah like you think a yeah.
0: workaholic or something just kind of like you know but there's yeah. a way that i kind of that the numbness can just be this dark hole where there just really isn't anything there's no feelers out in the world like I would normally be as a nine pretty receptive. It's a way to protect yourself, I guess. Uh, but when it gets to that extreme point, <laughs> it's no longer protective. You're just unaware. You know, you're you're uh, yeah. You, you you're in your stories in your place maybe, but sometimes you're just on the autopilot. You're just, or if you're laying in bed and you're just. You, you, I used to think about it this place. Like you know, oh I have almost this superpower there. I can just shut my mind off. You know, like and just go to sleep, right? There was mm-hmm. times in my life where mm-hmm. I couldn't or it was racing, you know, work or stress or something, but it's so a way I could just shut it off, go to sleep. Didn't need YouTube, didn't need anything. Um, almost like that. But there's a way that you get closer connected to that shutting off. Then it becomes too easy. Then it's just like almost like you're zombie or something, you know. Um yeah, I don't know what other people would have experienced from me on the outside, but that's kind of what you feel on in the inside.
1: You know, it's just that's it's like, actually exactly what I was just wondering: is what what yeah. do you think I would have known? Like, if I had interacted with you, mm. what would I have seen in that moment?
0: Probably me just doing something, some project or something, going through the motions. If you tried to mm. talk to me, I'd be very cut off, not responding properly, and I still tend to do that sometimes. <laughs> you know. Okay. Um where well, there's almost, it's almost like that boundary just doesn't go away. Even if I, my heart might want it to like, you know, kids or something, or, you know, uh, you know, I'm really, I've really been worrying about them or thinking about them, but yet now I've tamped things down because I am worrying about them, but now they're coming to me to, wanting to talk to me and I'm not even re- responding to it properly because I'm so, <laughs> okay. So this is kind of, maybe this is one way to put it there. Okay. There is a way, um. That, and this may be all nights, I think. But um, uh, me specifically, where feelings, even good feelings, other people's feelings and good feelings can be too much for me. Right. And scary in a, in a way, if you want to call it scary, I guess it's more just like invasive, maybe scary Some, somewhere in that range. <laughs> it's just too much. Um, so, yeah. But here's the thing, like too much. Is scary and whatever, but too little I can't function, right? So there has to be this medium ground, right, where I can be present and responsive to those feelings, to my heart, to people around me, their heart or their needs or whatever. Um, logically, you know, not feeling like this is too much and I'm starting to get, you know, like, oversensitized, too much sensory input or whatever you call it, um, but not allowing myself to drop into that hole, you know, where I'm unresponsive almost, or overly um, stoic or something or whatever. You know, I don't know how to really. really see myself in the past yeah. Time, but, you
1: know, um, yeah,
0: yeah, it's like it's like there is this equilibrium that a nine is looking for, I guess. So I guess it is a nine thing, maybe. There's this equilibrium. That you're looking all types, I think, are looking for some sort of equilibrium. But as a nine, it's that that uh, it's almost related to uh, not really sensory, but just the entire world, (laughs) you know, just everything, Um, being either too much or too little, you know, too much is stressful. And then you start to drop into that pit of too little and you have to bring yourself back up. Um, And it's just become more easy for me in this regard over the years or recent years to bring myself back up by trying to be more in touch with, with my heart. I guess if that makes sense. I think the heart kind of is that middle ground. And I've heard people talk about like, your guts down here your head's down here your heart's coming there is kind of that way you know it's funny that that kind of works um, hmm. as an example that uh there's kind of a way that the heart can pull you back up out of that hole or that gut you know you know and oh. the head you know um the heart can kind of bring you back down into the head when you're being too Oh, I, I really like the uh spot by the way first i heard that was a few years ago this guy Tim, oh, yeah. he taught about it. and It was really excellent. I've loved your talks on that recently too. Love that stuff. But you um, cool, can be thanks. too orange, yeah. right? <laughs> too much in the orange, uh-huh. so the heart brings it back down. To anyway, the heart, I think, is what kind of drives the world in the way that it is kind of in the middle in that regard. And anyway, so I, I don't get into theory or anything, but yeah.
1: there's something really interesting about what you're saying. This this too much, too little thing, and mm. it's bringing up it's yeah. it does it does strike me that there is something really true about nine seeking a kind of Goldilocks perfect little sliver of like the world is impacting me and affecting me like just enough. Right. and I'm bringing myself out just enough. and there's this yeah. kind of uh, perfect meeting point, but it is a kind of teetering. Th- like yeah. thin edge of a blade or something like that or like a unstable as as equilibrium. I see that and in it, the one it, wings too. Yeah.
0: That frustration. Yeah, they're kind of doing that fluctuation thing a little more um, in real time. You know?
1: Yeah, actually, or, I was just I thinking think for you. Eights, like It's more with, like
0: a drop and a pull, you know? Yeah.
1: Like the way that I'm conceiving yeah. of eight, nine, and one these days is that nine and eight are both types that their strategies are to numb themselves uh nine kind of numbs itself in response to the world eight numbs itself preemptively so the world mm-hmm. can't get to it and then yeah. the one is sort of an inability to numb itself and that's what creates yeah. all the frustration because anything that gets in feels like a irritant or a contaminant but what's really striking to me about you is that with the as an as a nine with an eight wing without that frustration effect there's like a it's kind of like a double numbness that you can get into and yeah. that's that feeling of of yeah, living too. Death that and you slow and that so engaged, you sit in mud, too. yeah, <laughs> right, right, <laughs> There's a lot of things you can, ask for, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. As a
0: social type, you I'm so hyper aware of it, I think, too. Uh, I mean, there's a sense sure. that the okay. self-pres is a little more in tune with this, right? And, and it would be more drastic if I was self-pres first. My wife is self-pres first, you know, oh, so we kind of bounce around a lot of ways. And, but mm. with the social, there's a way that I'm seeing it in real time, but. Like I'm in this hole, unable to reach out that hole and interact with that person properly or something when I'm in that right. stress mood. I, I would call that stress. Mood yeah. Mood. yeah. That, that That's the response to that.
1: T- yeah. Mm-hmm. So speak bringing social in for a second and then talking about mm-hmm. like the last couple of years for you of being on the other side of having started to resensitize yourself and unnumb yourself. And I want to, I want to talk about your tattoos. Are you, are you willing to go okay. there? <laughs> sure. Okay. Yeah. So, so my understanding, you correct me if I'm wrong, is that you just recently started getting them.
0: Well, I got my first one when I was 15. I started getting okay. ones that are a little more unsocially acceptable in places, I guess. There you some go. There you I go. know that these days yeah. it's gotten a little more murky in that regard, but um, right. Like, I still tell my kids, like, I let them all get their first one when they're 16. I'd pay for it. I thought it was a great way to, like, kind of, they all seem to want them <laughs> to get them into it. And, like, yeah, <laughs> sure. I'm just going to help guide you so you're not getting, like, lips on your ass or something. But let's, you, know, <laughs> okay. you know, something like that. <laughs> but, um, okay. So there's this way that it's gotten more acceptable. I still tell them, don't, you know, don't put it on your hand or neck or something yet, or face. You know, you still need to get out in the work world. Who knows what you're going to need in that regard socially. I'm always worried about that. Right. <laughs> so, but I got, I took myself to this point where it wasn't as important anymore. I'm done with the corporate world. You know, we can do a lot of stuff with clients remotely. I don't have to have camera on all the time where people might be worried or judge me, you know, um, that, mm-hmm. that sort of thing really why I've been getting them more and more and more, vis- and, and some have had some relatively visible places like these, these bands here, you know, that's my four kids. Yeah. Each one represents one of them, you know, the, and one, it cool. Um, funny mm-hmm. butterfly, wolf, hawk. Uh, and anyway, so I've had these for you know, started these like 15, 16 years ago, and stuff. But yeah, the the neck has been maybe the past four or five years. Um,
1: okay. Yeah.
0: But This hand one is actually just this. This is my wife and his anniversary. <laughs> Most stuff like is related mm-hmm. to family or friends. I've got the Scottish just- crest here. Yeah, go ahead.
1: <laughs> yeah. I was just going to say, for people who are not watching the video, listen to the podcast. Can you just okay. describe, yeah. I, especially like you have Harriet Tubman on one oh, side yeah, of your that's face, right here.
0: Uh-huh. Right? Yeah, I got that in yeah. twenty nineteen, and then yeah. I actually just did this kind of like halo thing that I thought was cool, like around it. Um,
1: so it's literally actually, like up your neck yeah. and up into your cheek, like the face of mm-hmm. Harriet Tubman is yeah, on your face. Yeah. yeah, and what really struck me about that, other than just it is striking, it, it, period. But that you you said you live in a somewhat conservative neighborhood, and oh, this right, is right, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Sure, and you that
0: gotta, you got deal with the you, Trump flags and the <laughs> not to get political,
1: yeah, or here, but you got to do Sure, flag. yeah, yeah. I mean, big truck. Yeah, I drive a big truck, but I don't, I
0: don't do the Trump thing. But yeah, um, yeah. Um, what
1: I'm pointing, yeah, well, I'm just yeah, okay, pointing yeah, yeah. to the your your willingness to locate yourself hmm. about something that you care about right. in a context where it wouldn't necessarily fly. Socially nah, and being a and social type, being a social nime. there you mm-hmm. go. Yeah, yeah. And I find that yeah. so interesting. I mean, that's a, it's just a very clear point of evidence around the transformation you're undergoing. And, and the, a, yeah, go ahead.
0: There's a way that that, that that you know this kind of stuff is signaling in a way. Like here's the Scottish clan thing. Um, here's you know here's Harry Tubman. You know one of the heroes of the, you know, the Underground Railroad and how awesome that is. And I really value freedom and stuff you know uh, eight nine that range obviously that's huge for me autonomy do you do your thing Mm -hmm. but i'm not gonna put anyway so yeah i love that um the other thing is too is learning to have people that you can they don't have to be perfect that you can look up to you know Um, i've always told the kids over the years no one should be your hero you know no one's worthy of that in a way um people are just people and we're all just a bunch of you know down monkeys, in a sense, just trying to figure shit out, right? <laughs> that, that was not so nice th- uh, perspective for the last twenty years. Um, okay, but but now I'm like, heroes are fine, you know. And I've got this, and I'm, I'm tying more things into the family and history and and, and stuff like that. And in my anniversary of my wife on my hand, um, the, the roses, mm-hmm. you know, roses were at her wedding, and there's two of them. And describe it for folks not looking, but um, yeah. I, it, there's, there's a, a sense now that I just don't care as much. Um, if someone doesn't agree with me, that's fine. You know, I'm not as like sensitive to it or something. And I don't have to be, <laughs> I'm getting older, crustier. I, I, I might be one of those old guys, you know, when I'm 70, just going around and say what the hell I want, you know, like, I don't know. Maybe I'm Starting <laughs> um, down that path, you know, <laughs> the old crusty. Path. Sure. I mean, I don't know if this is growth necessarily, but this definitely feels good. You know, um, something I haven't, uh, mm-hmm. you know, that hasn't been easy, you know, over the years, this social self-prez and I sort of thing, because was a way that self-prez ties into that too, right? Like you're very, I use self president often to provide my social standing and be a provider and stuff. And then I, it goes back and forth. But.
1: Well, yeah, it yeah, certainly well, feels yeah. like, a, a story of individuation and right. basically, you know, saying I care about mm-hmm. this and, right. and then actually marking yourself on your body with,
0: it's very permanent.
1: Uh, a a, sta- a <laughs> yeah. stamp of caring, yeah, yeah.
0: In, in all honesty, though, I, and I do try to find something that I like that I think would be important, but not just some meaningless frivolous tattoo. Um, mm-hmm. um, like maybe some of the first ones like I got a gender or something. But I, I, I it's very, very physical for me. There's a reason I like to go relatively often, or I get to go on my birthday or Christmas <laughs> or something. You know, um, mm-hmm. I get to myself sort of near my wife lets me we get we've been raised so long we really don't buy each other's presence very often let's give each other symptoms things things. But, so that's kind of my thing hey, yeah go do that for your birthday but um the pain itself is almost like a bringing me back to reality uh, or back up oh, out, out of that hole back up yeah, out of that yeah. hole i guess is a better way to describe it not so much down <laughs> but back up mm-hmm. um and not not like the mind numbing pains like i jacked up my neck falling off a mechanical bull and I get these really serious headaches, not that kind of stuff where it puts you into this pain hole, but that, you know, the mm-hmm. prickly kind of like back to reality, sort of pain. Another thing that I'm be mm-hmm. graphic for me, but I, I love the dental hygiene picks. I like <laughs> this kind of stuff. That sure. yeah. um, it just there's a way that that pain just is good somehow. It, it really, it, it kind of pulls you uh-huh. back up. And so it, it makes me more aware. Of my feelings, of my presence, my physical body in this world, too, yeah. and that's really why I've been getting more and more these days. It's not like I have a need to like show everybody who I am too much. I mean, I, there is a little bit of that, you know, but it's more of that, I think. Um,
1: that is just such a, an interesting framing. Yeah. That is, I mean, it's about the ex, it's about the sensory experience of getting the tattoo that feels you like just it feel good, calls yeah, you back to life. You're back yes. to
0: life that day. Yeah, it's just about it without, you know, resorting to some sort of drugs or something. Like I've to teen years. Yeah.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah, not to get too dark or whatever, but I find yeah. like so you know, people who go really numb or dissociate, um, sometimes will cut themselves, you know, and it seems mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. a much more extreme version of it. it's like to feel something. Yeah. You know? Right. And um, you know, if we if we let's put this on a spectrum of health, like that seems to me mm-hmm. to be a self-destructive kind of, um, unhealthy behavior that would be useful to oh. not do, um, sure it but could. it is yeah. serving I a similar a function. That, yeah. No. What's that?
0: Yeah. I wouldn't put too much judgment on that. Cause I've known some people. Yeah. Done that. I've, I've actually never done that. Um, yeah, yeah. But I guess this could be similar, right? Yeah, absolutely. This is a little more social. I'm out there. I'm interacting with an artist. <laughs>
1: but yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it feels, <clears throat> it feels like yeah.
0: a, <clears throat> At the yeah. very
1: least in the same ballpark it's serving a similar function you know um, yeah
0: yeah it is you're right that
1: it, it's 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 yeah. a it's it, it it's crazy i didn't think about that feel, before uh, yeah yeah wow yeah
0: it is um well something else i do that's a little less drastic and less dark <laughs> is i've been uh-huh. trying to use my sense of smell a little more um, that's something that i think okay. you know, like, humans are like of all our senses that's probably our least most of us are the least tied to i think um
1: in a lot of ways mm-hmm. it's
0: funny because you know I, and this is 20 something year old psychology but I'm learning that the um that the sense of smell is the most closely tied to the emotional processing portions of your brain okay that's really right into close memory tied yeah it. so that's yeah. why some people really hate a smell or really love a smell but the problem is it's almost like a learned response just like that learned mm-hmm. response to the butterflies in the stomach um whether it's yep. later on. So, they've never found a universal smell to disperse crowds because, you know, even corpses and skunks, some people like that smell. <laughs> like, I like the smell of skunks, yeah. reminds me of road trips in the summer as a kid, but, you know,
1: uh-huh.
0: um, but I've been learning to be more in touch with that sensory that's been kind of ignored for so long. Um, unless something like was blasting it, yeah. you know, like someone's perfume that the store or something actually did die in the bathroom. Or but, um, yeah. So just smelling, you know, produce versus just feeling it and looking at it to judge if I want to buy it. Or, you know, I used to joke that my wife and daughters were sniffers because I like to sniff candles and stuff, just smelling that, allowing myself uh-huh. to, Oh, what is that? Trying to understand what that smell is versus just like ignoring it. Or, oh, there's a smell.
1: You know? yeah. <laughs> so yeah.
0: It's very similar in that regard to me. It's a, it's a sensory thing. Um, in a way it makes me feel more in touch with reality.
1: Yeah. Um, can you talk about your relationship with anger?
0: Yeah. Um, Ooh, well, it's something that, so frustration, I actually look at as more undesirable. <laughs> so I don't like to use to say, Oh, I don't like that or this, or be frustrated in real time. Cause I feel like that's an edge that I have to deal with other people quite often. It's that kind of frustration edge. Um, It just seems like to me, and this is not to be too judgmental, but just seems like sometimes people are overly frustrated externally or just kind of shitting their feelings and emotions all over me and all over the world (laughs) around me. So, that I have an issue with sometimes. Anger itself, like if I use it, is definitely more of a tool for me. But then again, that is something I am in my mid 40s. You know, I've had to be, I, I think I am kind of assertive in general, but I've had to learn to even. Um, evolve that even more over the years Um, that I do use it and I don't have a really bad relationship with it day to day I'm mostly not presenting a lot of anger but I'm presenting assertiveness and so yeah I guess it's kind of difficult for me to differentiate those two sometimes yeah that is kind of a ninth thing right (laughs) like what's being assertive and what's being angry because sometimes it takes that anger in there to wake you up to become assertive, right? And that's kind of what I'm talking about too, back again, not the circle background around the either, but where sometimes things feel like too much, right? And you got to watch it, you got to bring it back down. So I, I can see myself in real time sometimes getting a little too assertive and pulling it back. In, versus like what a nine, a more immature nine or somebody might do where they're just kind of like, bam, with the full force of it. And then they leave or something. <laughs> You know, full force oh, of that yeah. anger, you know what I mean? Coming out <laughs> oh, all at once, <laughs> you know, and then they're yeah. gone because now they feel stupid. They feel whatever. It's like, see it, you know? But, um, yeah. So mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's more healthy, I guess. Not to say that I'm keep, I'm growing and everything's roses, but um, it's more like I can show it, be assertive, but not go overboard, you know, go back.
1: Yeah. uh-huh i oh, i have a nine wing eight that's very close to me whose identity i won't reveal but i that tracks man <laughs> that is you know like the that's really funny <clears throat> the brunt it, the force of the eight is, wing that, yeah that only comes out occasionally and and sometimes yeah it's seemingly out of nowhere and then all of a sudden it's like oh no i'm just you know like what either. who me well it's, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's
0: kind of like too it's like a lot of people and this is the nine wing eight's fault to some degree i'm not your friend but a, a-, a- nine and eight, it's probably their fault mine specifically mm-hmm. um where you're not giving people a lot to go you're not giving them that frustration right, right. the most other types have it, at least in their wing or that are giving that kind of thing like no I don't like that you're not usually giving that like you, you know you're you're usually giving like no whatever it doesn't matter um, and sure. so people take you sure. at your word and then next thing you know yeah. you've built up this this line of violation <laughs> you know, that, uh, it comes out. Cause it's like, you're not seeing me. Well, you didn't give him anything to see, you know, often. So, so you kind of have to take some responsibility.
1: So it's another way to say that, like the fact that you're not expressing or sometimes even in touch with your frustration is that that line of violation continues to get crossed and there's a backlog that develops. And then at a certain yeah. point, you know, the straw that breaks the camel's back and then there's the explosion. Or if it, maybe well yeah and then there's the explosion.
0: That's the way I understand it. And I'm I'm, sure. I'm just to put this in perspective, so, you know, because you know, so I don't want to get into specifics of people and stuff. But I've never been violent. Mm-hmm. I'm not a violent person at all. So I mean, like exploding. Mm-hmm. I just mean like saying what I actually feel in the moment.
1: Yeah, coming yeah. out
0: possibly as yelling, you know, <laughs> or something, um, or yeah. what I consider yelling. to Other people might not even consider. But it's like it just feels like too much. It's like a flood of too much that. The nine has been feeling maybe for weeks or months or who knows, you know. And that's kind of what it is. It's giving somebody back too much all at once so they can't process it. Because the nine hasn't been processing. (laughs) They're kind of shitting it back out in the world to help them process it. And then they're gonna feel bad about it and ruminate on that for the next six years in bed
1: when they're going to sleep. (laughs) Sure.
0: You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, one thing I'm struck with about our conversation and actually your conversational style is not just it's somewhat meandering quality, but it's, it's the volume of your voice stays relatively low and even as you're talking and then, and then every once in a while, when you get animated about something, it becomes a little louder and you kind of come back to a resting point of like, kind of, it seems like where you're at now. Mm -hmm. And... That that's a that's one clue. I think like if I were typing you, for example, from scratch, that would be a clue to me that you're a nine. But I'm curious if you have a a relationship with the volume of your voice? Or if that's too abstract a question. I think for, I'm often ra- unaware you of it.
0: Yeah, I think I'm okay. often unaware of it. Um when I'm allowing myself to get into something, emotional, I guess maybe, it's kind of what we're talking about with the mm-hmm. thinking I'm yelling, or, or yeah, when I'm putting more inflection, maybe getting higher, that's kind of normal, you know, it's what people do, but there's a way that uh, I feel like I'm being too much, maybe, and then yeah, it's going to pull back down, but it's uh-huh. instinctive, I'm not really sitting here thinking that mm-hmm. and processing that, <laughs> you know, like some people might do, mm-hmm. it's just more like just go back to that equilibrium, that resting state, you know, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I, um, I think it's more instinctive. More. It's like the way I talk. It's like uh, that's where the meandering comes comes out um, is you know, it's coming from the gut. It's a little slower, and I'm trying to put it into perspective, which means having its high feelings or um, yeah, feelings and with you know thoughts presented to you <laughs> in real time somehow that makes me meander. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes, you know, it's getting jumbled. What should be spoken and what should, you know, what's getting across the point and what's just having to make someone follow this trail. <laughs> you
1: know. So the meander, yeah. I, as I'm hearing you, it's kind of like the meandering is like, you're sensing what context to provide or what would be useful yeah, to say. Yeah, too much and usually.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: And it's kind of like you're experiencing an inner swirl of of all of that and so you're kind of trying to verbalize it or 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 track that in real time and it becomes and it just the verbal swirling mimics the inner swirling yeah in yeah. a certain sense yeah
0: right and i think this plays more into having you know being a social type as well the nine's doing that because they're a gut type and uh-huh. that's and you know ultimately the nine does want to be seen and connected but a social type specifically obviously wants that so this is the way. Sometimes you're getting ahead of yourself with the anticipation of it, you know, in a conversation, okay. yep. anticipation of somebody yeah. understanding you, and you're starting to get high off that kind of thing or something, and then you're starting to overshare. They got to pull up, you know. You, you know, we all learned to do this as we became adults, right? But that's essentially the feel of it, you know. Thoughts are coming from some, this. This kind of way to describe it too. I guess I kind of see the gut types as maybe the unconscious. I've heard of somebody. I didn't come up with this, but the heart type is like the subconscious. The head type is like the conscious, right? Conscious has its place. It's like sequential problem solving, right? you know, and the heart has its place. You know, it's like the way you spread and tie together. In psychology, we learn this is also twin psychology, but we, <laughs> we learn that you can't make a decision without the emotional parts of your brain functioning properly. So you literally mm-hmm. can't decide what cereal to buy without uh-huh that okay so um sure that kind of does that balancing and the gut is like this where the not the real you but the animalistic or something the the essence of yourself on this planet <laughs> i don't want to get spiritual like the essence or something some of might get that confused with like spirituality but like the core of you and so i, I explain to my kids sometimes like well, where do you think thoughts come from right sometimes you're laying in their bed and these thoughts are just like blah 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 like playing over and they're coming from that they're coming from this deep down up you know what i mean they're not just like you know and, um and they seem random like dreams but dreams essentially are doing the same thing they're coming from something that your body your mind and they're putting this thing together and it may not make sense i don't i'm not a dream interpreter or you know, whatever necessarily but there's a way that your body's using this to process right in your mind anyway back to what i was saying and here i got lost look meandering too far <laughs> you're slipping you're well, slipping we t-
1: <laughs> I, I was a little bit i actually, hope it was interesting was <laughs> inter- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. well we it's fascinating because we started yep. with the like a distinction about how your verbal swirling mimics yes and inner swirling yeah, mm-hmm. yeah and that was such a that was like c- couldn't have been a better demonstration of that <laughs>
0: Well, there you go, right? <laughs> I gave you the, yeah. the logic of it and the example at the same time, but yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but that's kind of it. You know, these things are just bubbling up from somewhere, and then when you're trying to present yourself in a palatable form, format, like as a social tape or whatever, mm-hmm. or make a connection, or this uh, is any type, of whatever you're trying to do. And me specifically in that regard, be palatable, make the connection. Um, there's a way that. Uh, you know, it all is like kind of meandering because you are trying to create this full context. You're, you're trying to give them the flood of everything that led you to that or something, especially mm-hmm. here talking about myself. This is a, a really strange thing for me. <laughs> but so,
1: so yeah, kind I kind of imagine. like, yeah. you,
0: you know what I mean? Um,
1: yeah. yeah.
0: A, a little unused to this, but uh, usually when I'm talking to most folks, it's about work or about day to day. You know, I have, you know
1: a, about I have a question. <laughs> yeah. Are you. Do you have any motivation to try to be less meandering or to be more concise?
0: Sometimes. Or if I, do I feel you kind of not annoying someone need it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like if if um I know in this I'm probably doing more of the interrupting, <laughs> but like in like a business call or something, the client and they they stop, like, oh, I was going too far into whatever you know um so in those cases yeah but most of the time no i i guess not i mean it does kind of create the story right if someone's yeah. actually listening or if they're actually listening it's a nice way to vent maybe like getting a tattoo or smelling fruit <laughs> you know it's a way to kind of connect um yeah if, if they're really listening giving me proper feedback and, and i'm not just annoying
1: yeah it's kind of like i'm just comparing like my experience of my of myself is that. Yeah. It's, I'm in some way always monitoring how I'm communicating and especially how my communication is landing on, especially as a three. And there's a competence orientation to wanting the sentence that's coming out of my mouth to be as on the nose as possible without any, without too much, well, meandering, I guess. And so I have, yeah, so there's, there's like, there's actually, I experience a genuine inner motivation to be clear and Mm -hmm. kind of, and uh, pointed and it's, and I'm just struck by like what it seems that you're describing is for the most part, like you don't have that motivation. (laughs) It seems like a kind of inner freedom around, the way you're expressing yourself
0: yeah i mean there is a relaxedness to it right and the ability the,
1: a relaxed that's there you go a relaxedness
0: yeah that's the um, word i was looking for because if you are really attuned to uh, the control of it you you can't be really attuned to the control let's put it that way to be relaxed um so i guess maybe i don't know if that's a nine eight thing or something but there are nine but but there's a way that you're going to have to kind of, I guess it's probably more of a nine and eight thing, yeah, because nine and ones do have that withdraw pause to process it and present it more accurately as best they can, you know, according to their competence. But um, with me, um, and I would guess this is probably true for most nine and eights. Um, yeah, there's just not. It's just it's okay. Because if you're not focused, to be as calm and cool as 9 is trying to be all the time, and is half the time, right, um, <laughs> there, there just can't be that kind of attunement to frustration or meticulousness, you know? Um, and, you know, so I have well a three yeah. fix, but it's the last one. So I definitely, there's a way I want to be seen sometimes. Like, I'm not really comfortable with this, putting this blanket up here and me, you know, on this camera, and, you know, <laughs> there's a way that I kind of have, but, but I didn't allow myself to present that until now, because we're talking about it. And I'm, you know, I'm wanting to, to show that I do have that. It's just, it's not something that is going to be the first concern. You know what I mean? It's just like, it's okay. This makes sense this got it done josh is waiting for me <laughs> let's put this up to block the light you know what i mean oh yeah <laughs> but it's like going with it's uh-huh. going with the flow you know it's going with the flow is like it's been trying to say in it i think nine eights in particular i think i heard david say this one time that all the uh, all three of the attachment types have this thing with being calm and cool they think that's cool but nines eights i think are like the worst <laughs> this they they have this desire to be like you're not gonna affect me and i'm not affected right. when they are because they're still pulling yeah, stuff yeah. in that's why they're having those deep holes in the you know type of thing we we're just talking about
1: yeah, anyway so game, it, heard... how
0: are you going to be cool if you're worried about you know being too meticulous
1: or... <laughs> totally no that's, that makes total sense <laughs> to me
0: so yeah anyway
1: I've heard David say, I love how he says that the eight wing on the, gives the nine permission to be as nine as it wants to be. And there's like, there's, there's a kind of, there's the nine wing is both, is both solid with the eight wing, but absorptive, like leading with absorption, but has like the solid barrier of the rejection uh, object relation kind of, there's a way that it goes at the same time,
0: two ways on that too. So like some, some types, and I forget who, maybe it is Reason Hudson called a nine, eight, the referee. I've also heard it called the mountain. The mountain is what you're speaking to now. That kind of like, here's the boundary. Mm-hmm. This is nine land. That's your crazy shit land. <laughs> you know, here's that boundary. Mm-hmm. But then the referee, right. And I think this might even be more uh, observable in a social type like me. Especially it, Imagine a scene like this, riding in a minivan with like 50 kids. Like I've done so many times in my life, you know, <laughs> screaming and all the crazy stuff. And, the, you know, the wife's frustrated and not happy and we're on some road trips. It's supposed to be fun. I'm on vacation and I'm having to check emails because clients are emailing for some reason. Now you might pick the day that they shouldn't be, you know, whatever. And um, when the kid's poking or fighting the other one or hits the other one or something, you know, the referee's popping it. You know, there's this way that the eight pops in when... Mm-hmm. Something is too much, or something is is infringing on their nine land. Something crossed that wall, that boundary. Uh That wall wasn't enough that day, (laughs) or it didn't work that day. But now it's (laughs) popping out, and now it's now it's asserting that that autonomy into the world. It's asserting that control. And I used to think like, oh, it's it's, I'm like I'm doing it for your best interest. You guys got to be chilled. But being like that, don't do that to your sister. But I had to realize the enneagram that that instinct is me doing it for me. Initially, and I can you know pull back and be the grown up, right? But that initial impulse, that's a selfish thing, you know. So there's a way that also, um, the the eight gives the nine permission to be as nine as they want, you know. And, and but there's also a way that the eight does protect the nine, <laughs> somewhat too, right? As an right. act of protection, not just a defensive all the time. It's not the right. you know and. And mean eight is going out in the world asserting their autonomy or control. They're they are withdrawing and they're setting up that boundary. But occasionally that assertion does have to happen to protect that boundary. It's like sending the army across the castle wall to do something or something because
1: uh, yeah. you know the
0: wall's not gonna keep yeah. up with the turrets, turrets or something. <laughs> so
1: <laughs> Yeah.
0: Anyway, yeah. But
1: yeah, was ah, that was amazing. You know, it's, it's, what's so cool as meandering as, as sometimes you can be, um, you also have this capacity to be extremely clear about your types I mean, that was extremely clear and, and well articulated what you yeah. just said. And, um, yeah, five,
0: six years, whatever in the making, trying to wrap my head
1: around that stuff. Sure.
0: Cause it, yeah. this is so much deeper than your typical stuff like MBTI. we are talking about. There is just so much more to it. I know it's not necessarily scientific and all that, and I'm fine with that, you know. Like, but there's a m- no personality typing is really when you think about it. That's what I learned way back. It's like a lot of it is subjective and it always will be. But the Enneagram, just I know, and this is why you're probably into it, and I you know, it's why a lot of people I taught are into it. It's it hits something deeper, you know, than most personality systems do. Um, anyway, so yeah, I've, I've just beaten this stuff up so. That's probably why sometimes I can prove something that makes sense. Yeah.
1: Well, I'm noticing the time and I just want to check in with you if there's anything that we haven't covered that you definitely want to hit.
0: You know, I don't think so. I think you've been a really, you know, great talking partner, listener, and allowing me to kind of go off my things without, you know, and still kind of keep me in check. So, no, I appreciate it. I think we, we did great. That's a good Great. intro to what it's like to be this guy. So, somewhat.
1: <laughs> yeah. What's this been like for you to be interviewed?
0: You know, a little different. Um, the only person I really talk like this to really like my kids or my wife. You know, about stuff like this or really, giving stuff. Most of the time, we're just, I, you know, I'm friendly, and you know sociable in that way. I like to go out. I like to go out to eat a lot all the time just to get that little kind of social thing, but it's more just like pleasantries, you know. I don't really get into too much deep stuff, so it's nice to kind of try to dive in. So that was fun. Um yeah. Um great. Unusual but great.
1: Yep. Cool. Yeah. Well I um I this is so cool. It's amazing I how I love doing these interviews with people who have worked with the Enneagram and cultivated a sense of their interiority. And yeah. it's just amazing to hear you articulate with such clarity your inner experience of being a nine wing eight. And so yeah, that's I just really appreciate you being that's, willing that's to the experience. Though. <laughs> but that's yeah, part of that's kind that. of part of it. It's, yeah, both, that's it's, exactly more, it. It's, it's the form and the content. You know, it's not just that's it's why both what you say, like, you say it
0: yeah. preparing would help because it's going to be some gut talk. that's right if we're doing this this right
1: yeah you were like yeah i was like is there anything yeah just to be clear like for the listeners you know we in our pre pre pre-show talk i was like should you know do you want to prepare or anything and you were like no i think i just want to do it how i do everything else which is basically to wing it
0: (laughs) yeah so i do client presentations and everything (laughs) yeah cool well i appreciate you but i really appreciate your stuff and um well, I heard before we get off real quick, I heard that you're doing yeah. that uh, that new Enneagram school. Uh, that sounds pretty cool. I think I went on your website, so I might check that out. That learning the centers, which are I, I learned this ass backwards, you know, types first on the internet like a lot of people do. And I really do think right. that learning the centers has been my focus the past uh year or so has really been helpful. Like I said, Alex's talk and just that kind of like putting this all into better perspective
1: makes a lot more sense. Sure.
0: Anyways, so I yeah, well, that. we'd love That's to great. have you. I might check it out, but yeah, appreciate you, man. I Appreciate what you're doing. Yep.
1: Thank you very much. And th- yeah, thank you for doing this interview. Really appreciate it.
0: Yeah, you bet, bud.